All right, everybody, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Today, I have a good friend of mine on, Laura Stack. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here, John. Happy to be here, too. And, you know, Laura, uh, folks, we're going to talk about a challenging subject today, but a subject we all need to be thinking about in today's world. Because, Laura, I'll never forget, I think it was two years ago before COVID, you and I and your husband, John, and Waldo were sitting down and we're talking about our kids. And one of your kids was really struggling at the time. And then I heard, uh, you know, recently that because of him and his drug use, he took his life. And I couldn't, I was in shock. And I can't even imagine where you are. So let me just share, guys, a little bit about Laura, right? First and foremost, you were Johnny Stack's mama. And you are his lead ambassador in this world today. Now, in the business world, Laura, this is where you're known You are the productivity pro. That's how I got to know Laura through speaking, but she's a Hall of Fame speaker, corporate spokesman for some of the biggest brands in the world, best-selling author of eight books on productivity. You got this huge social media following. You're giving keynote speeches and trainings and all over the world, huge corporations, governments, you name it. But what we're going to talk about today is really your focus. You wrote a book. It is an incredible book. It's called Johnny Stack's Life and Death Story, The Dangerous Truth About Today's Marijuana. There's some things I learned in here that blew my mind, and I shared it with my young kids. I just told you, Laura, that they didn't even know. And as we talked about, they're like, oh, my gosh, that's true. I've seen some of this in my friends. So, But with that, Laura, because you've started a nonprofit called Johnny's Ambassadors. And guys, you can go check it out. What's the website, first of all, Laura? Johnny'sAmbassadors.org. Yeah. So Johnny, is we're talking, you guys hear this, pull, about, pull it up on your phone, Johnny'sAmbassadors.org. This is a cause worth getting behind. So with, with that, Laura, I'd love to just turn it over for you and just kind of tell a little bit about, you know, your journey and, you know, what's led you to what you're doing today. Sure. I mean, and your kids' comments about how, you know, they didn't know that. That's really why we started Johnny's Ambassadors, because we found that most people had no idea that Johnny's drug of choice, marijuana, could be so dangerous. So all those things are the case that you said about me, my career, 30 years, all came to a screeching halt on November 20th of 2019, our then 19-year-old son, Johnny, died by suicide. He took his own life. He had become psychotic and had been dabbing high-potency marijuana concentrates. And believe me, we didn't know anything about this new marijuana, you know, I admit that, you know, when I was a teen, so this would have been, wow, Eight years ago now, you know, when I was 15, we were in high school, we got a hold of some, some marijuana and, uh, you know, it had a paper and some grass and you rolled it into a little joint and you smoked it, you passed it around and I didn't like it. You know, I didn't use it after that. Back then, John, the marijuana was very, very mild, you know, kind of the uh, the Woodstock weed from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even into 2000s was 2 to 5% if you could get, you know, the good stuff, THC content, tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the psychoactive ingredient in marijuana. 
No, I remember though, because see, I, I was an army junior ROTC in high school and then on a Navy ROTC scholarship in college. So I literally have never tried it. Oh, wow. I do remember all my friends that tried it. There's those things like I remember like Maui Wowie or there's other. Maui Wowie. Yeah, that was the good stuff. Right. And that was probably like 5%. 5%. And that was like really high back then. And I mean, they would go nuts if they found it. They'd be like, oh, my gosh, we got the good. They were so excited to have. And just to put things in context, as you hear where Laura, Laura goes with this. I guys, I want you to remember that 5% was like the most powerful, potent that stuff was really potent. that yeah. was out there in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. You couldn't get better than that. Yeah, Woodstock was like 2%. And so, you know, it was a very different kind of high love and peace. And this is wonderful. And not that there weren't harms from it and that some people did not have adverse reactions because they did. It just wasn't as common because it is it's so different today johnny first started smoking marijuana when he was 14 i know because he told us he went to a high school party and being from colorado john you will remember that we legalized recreational marijuana in 2012 and he was 12 years old and at 14 when he was a freshman in high school we'd kind of commercialized and hit the market and His friend had a brother who was 18. And so it was this, you know, it's this rite of passage. When you're 18, you can go to what we call, you know, the pot shop docks. You pay a few hundred dollars. uh, You make up some malady, like you have a migraine or a backache, and they give you your red card, right? A medical marijuana card that legally, as an 18-year-old, you can take to a dispensary here in Colorado and buy shatter, dabs, wax, vapes, edibles. And some people aren't even familiar with these terms because we weren't. And Johnny came home and said, hey, so-and-so's brother has a med card and there was marijuana at the party and I tried it. So, of course, um, we told him, you're never to do that again. You know, I came from a military family. Like, you were more afraid of your parents than you were of the police, right? (laughs) I mean, you know, when your parents said you don't do something, you didn't do it. And we just, you know, said it will hurt your brain. Don't do it. We didn't allow it. We didn't allow any substance use in our home. We, you know, we didn't have marijuana, didn't use marijuana, didn't condone marijuana. We always make sure people understand that. But I still had this perception, right, of when I used it. And there was kind of this like, oh, thank God it's not, you know, pills or thank God he didn't try cocaine. You know, I mean, there I remember thinking like, thank God, you know, and I think there's so many parents and so many kids. Your thought was like, oh, thank God it was it's just pot. It was like, oh, God, you know, I used it, too. It's fine. It's just pot. It's a phase. He'll grow out of it. Kids will be kids. You know, I used it. I'm fine. It didn't hurt me. But I had no idea that the chemists had gotten involved in marijuana here in Colorado and gotten very creative and had very quietly come up with products that were not the plants, they would take out the THC and just extract the cannabinoid and create products with no plant material. So apparently they discovered that if you take the plant and you run a solvent through it, 
like butane or propane or ethanol, that it breaks off the trichomes on the buds, which is where the THC is contained, and it leaches out into the butane and they throw the plant away. Okay, so that's the big thing so we're trying to get stripped of all THC. All the right. THC is now in this big nasty solution. big nasty bowl of butane and THC together. And there's no plant, okay? Because the plant is of no use to them anymore. They've taken out all the, the good stuff. So then they filter and extract and distill and try to get most of the propane out, which some of them, it's still an ingredient in their product because they can't totally get it out. And they make it now into different concentrates. That's why they're loosely called dabs. Dabbing is an umbrella term for using a concentrated THC product. And they are typically named by what they look like. So crumble looks like it would crumble into little pieces. There's shatter that looks like it will break if you drop it. There's live rosin. There's there are all sorts of different trichomes, like flavors, dry sift. There are so many products. And now, John, instead of being two to five percent potency, they are 60 to 99 percent. In fact, one chemist now has what they call dank dabs, which they say are 100 percent THC that they have gotten all of the solvent out of it. There are crystal dabs that look just like crack. It's really hard to tell the difference. In the same way you can take cocaine and turn it into crack, you can take marijuana and turn it into crystalline. And it's nearly pure. You use it with the same pipe you would use to smoke crack. So they take this goo and it looks like dab, like brown earwax or beeswax. And you take just a little dab, that's why they call it a dab, just a little bit on a pinhead. And you touch it to a very hot surface that you've heated with a blowtorch called a rig or a dab pen, or there are devices that are made to do this like a pen. You touch the dab to it and it vaporizes it and you inhale the toxic chemical, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That is dabbing. So there's... The plant is gone. And even the plant, interestingly enough, John, the botanists have cultivated the THC to be so high and there's no more CBD in any of the plants. It's very low that the CBD used to kind of be a protective factor inside the, the marijuana flower. But now you can't even find a flower in Colorado marijuana less than 18%. One grower has bragged that his flower is 40% THC. And they used to think that so they was bred impossible. Out. They, or they bred in the stuff that makes them money, basically. Well, it's an addiction for profit industry. And mm -hmm. the more potent it is, the more addictive it is, the more they can get people to use it, especially at a young age where they need their adolescents to use it. And then by the time they're 24, right? A very small percentage of people are buying the majority of these products. The problem is when it's so potent, it incrementally, it's a dose dependent response and it causes real problems inside the adolescent brain. So you mentioned our nonprofit. 
Johnny went to CSU on a scholarship. He ended up graduating with honors. People say, not my kid. My kid has straight A's. You know, my kid is Christian. So was Johnny. So are we. Uh, We went to church. He grew up in the church. He taught Sunday school. He had a 4.0 GPA. He had a perfect SAT score in math. Was literally a math genius. He had a black belt or a brown belt, almost a black belt in karate. He played the piano. He played guitar. I mean, he was a great kid. And this marijuana completely changed him. By the time he graduated, he had four D's his last semester, barely graduated, went to CSU on his scholarship. Two weeks there, texted me and said, I have been dabbing nonstop for two weeks. I feel like killing myself. We had to withdraw him from the university, put him in a mental hospital. And when we got to the school to take his things out of his dorm room, we found in his drawer a box and it said nectar kit on it. And we opened it and there was this brown gooey substance. And John and I both looked at each other and we're like, what is this? And we said to his roommate, what is this? And he shrugged and said, dabs. And that was the first we had ever known that our son was using these products. So did you notice anything, Laura, leading up to that? Looking back on it now, I'm sure you guys have had a lot of reflection time going. Yeah. Well, we knew he, you know, we caught him with pipes and, you know, miscellaneous times that he got in trouble. He got an MIP. He got suspended from school. I mean, there, you know, I'm skipping forward. (laughs) There's like the book is 309 pages. So the whole story is just tragic. and, And it was the worst, obviously, time of our lives and still is. But he became defiant. Uh, He stopped following the rules. His personality changed. My sweet, loving boy became mean, verbally abusive. He would call me names, you know, you effing, you know, just horrible. And this was not a good situation. You know, my husband, John, is a double black belt in karate. So this is just not a good situation. And we still had our younger son living at home. And when he turned... 18, he decided and we agreed it was best for him to leave. And he took all of his savings and he moved out and he started dealing because he got a med card. So who knows what cockamamie something he made up to say that he needed this card. But we found the login on his computer when he died and we saw on his phone and Snapchat for your eyes only photos of the products that he was legally buying from the dispensary. Now, and can you selling. get it? Do you need a med card? Like, what does it look like now? Like, just to be aware of, I, I know it's legally available, but do you have to be 21? But with a no, med card, 18. you can get it at 18? It's 18, 18 now. It's a constitutional right. They changed the Constitution in the United States that an 18 year old can get a med card. And the big problem and why we're focused on youth, John, we don't, you know, that battle has been like, they're not going to repeal Amendment 64. Okay. There's, there is no appetite for it in Colorado. You look at the billions. I think I saw something recently. It's like uh, 13 billion. You might know the number a year of revenue comes into the state of Colorado from the pot industry. 
Yeah. We, John, it, it'll never be turned that off. Horse has left the stable. That is yep. never going to be repealed. However, uh, we did for the last year work very hard with a very large coalition of people and helped pass Colorado 1317 to regulate marijuana concentrates. Uh, we were there when Paula signed the bill. I have the pen right there that he used to sign it. And we put some safeguards in place to protect 18 to 20 year olds. But it's perfectly legal, John. You can walk into a dispensary at 18 and buy this. And people think there's this black market, you know, kids are getting it on the streets. The dispensaries are selling it to them when they're underage. They're getting a homeless person to buy. Not, that is just not true. They don't need to do that. It's a rite of passage when you turn 18, you go to the high school and you get your med card and there's 50 of them and everybody in five minutes can get a hold of marijuana in any of the high schools here. And the colleges are even worse. It's everywhere. And so we don't fight the 21 and above. We're like, look, we would never recommend it. There are harms of females brain develops until the age of 25. A young man's brain develops until the age of 28. Now they say, however, you know, if voters have voted for it, it's legal and you want to, you know, ruin your brain, you know, that's your choice. And what we're concerned about is the ones who are 18, right, getting med cards, 17, 16, selling it. One in 10 middle schoolers now are using and in adolescence the brain is still going through some very, very important formative stages. And using marijuana at 14, 15, 16 is extremely detrimental. And this is research-based. This is not- yeah, What's the know, effect, Laura? I'd love for you to kind of educate because I shared some of the stuff from your book at the dinner table with my kids and they were like, that can't be true. I'm like, no, oh here's, my gosh. it's in the Where book, but here, let's start? research it. They, you know, they all have their phones on there. It was- it was a great conversation because anyway, but I'd love for you to share some of the things, you know, for the parents listening that I think a large part of our audience has. Well, kids and I mean, the harms can range from anything to lowering your IQ. I have a scientific advisory board. I'm not a clinician, um, but we do have all of the research on our website, johnny'sambassadors.org slash research. You can read it for yourself. There's a syndrome called cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. It causes extreme vomiting. It causes health problems. And it's not just extreme vomiting. It's not like having the dry heaves. This is oh, yeah. imagine having the dry heaves for a oh, day. For a week. Yeah, it's called. A week that it, they call it scrumity. People died from it, right? Internal yeah, bleeding. Yeah, kids can die from it, from dehydration, from kidney problems, from continuing to use. Once you start vomiting, the only cure is not to use marijuana. It's because we have CB1 cannabinoid 2 receptors in our gut, in our reproductive system, in different parts of our immune system. And it overreacts in some people because of the potency. Instead of helping with nausea, it hyper reacts and makes you sick. And they call it scrumiting in the hospital because patients usually come in screaming and vomiting, thus scrumiting or greening out. Sometimes it's called and it's very disturbing. And they do these huge workups in the emergency room to try to figure out what's wrong with these kids. And now the doctors are trained, ask them, do you use, do you dab? You know, are you using marijuana concentrates? And they're very 
potent and they they say, yeah. And they go, okay, well then that's your cure. There is no cure except for not using marijuana. And yes, kids do die from it because they go back to using, they feel better after two weeks, they use again, they start vomiting again, and some have died. There is a Facebook group of 12,000 people with CHS trying to support each other. But I mean, worse than that, it causes mental illnesses. Some people mistakenly think marijuana is, you know, medicine, that it helps with anxiety. It's actually counterindicated for anxiety. It causes anxiety. It increases anxiety. And a lot of people think, oh, the kids are using it, you know, because they're anxious and they're depressed. Most of them are just using it to get high. It's not, it's not true. They just, everybody's doing it. It's a quote, right of passage. You know, you just said something important, right? Everybody's doing it. It's about your friends. You know, that's one of the most challenging things we have to do as a parent is, Hey, how do I, how do I communicate that to my kids so that they, right. They be the person that says no. Well, it's hard if if it's everywhere and you haven't talked about it. And even worse, you yourself as a parent aren't aware of the new products. I mean, this is nothing like what we used to smoke. This is like apples and oranges. This is a narcotic. This is a hard drug that's being used. And when it binds to the cannabinoid one CB1 receptors in the brain, Um, Many different studies have shown, for example, MRIs show that adolescents that use marijuana have thinner prefrontal cortices than those who have never used. It's actually measured, right? So you can see why the memory isn't there, the decision-making isn't good, why the risk-taking is there. There are also CB1 receptors in the amygdala, which regulates emotion and mood, which is why when some people use marijuana, they feel paranoid or they have panic attacks. And when that area of the brain is continually affected and blocking your natural natural endocannabinoids from getting into your brain like they're supposed to when you're a teenager, then it causes hyper pruning and can do all kinds of crazy things in the mind. For example, cause psychosis, cause hallucination. Do these tend to be temporary while you're using or do these actually make more permanent changes? It depends. If you use as Johnny did over a period of time, then it's making subtle changes, but then usually there will be a break, some sort of psychotic break, some sort of snap. Johnny, the very first time he had a break, he became very suicidal and had to be sedated and hospitalized. And then once the marijuana wore off in the body, which is fat soluble. It takes three weeks instead of like a day, right? With alcohol, which is water soluble. Um, once the THC was out of his system and he was diagnosed with THC abuse severe, that was his diagnosis. He had 540 nanograms of THC in his blood when he went in and 50 is testing positive uh, for THC. These products are so, so, so strong. But then he recovered. He sadly lost his scholarship. We had to disenroll him from CSU. He recovered here at home. He was sober. He was back. We had our boy back. He was great, happy, fine. And he was like, wow, okay, that was terrible. I'm ready to go back to school. And so, you know, we weren't too sure about that, but what is he going to, he was recovered. So he went to UNC uh, and he was 19, turned 19 there. 
and fell right back into the dabbing crowd and sadly had another break. This time he called me at three o'clock in the morning and said the mob was after him, that UNC was actually an FBI base, that his dorm room was bugged. I mean, talking. You you immediately knew in this conversation. I'm like, he has lost it. And I said, Johnny, are you dabbing? And he said, yes, I've been dabbing and you've got to get me out of here because they're after me and you're in on it. And I mean, had just lost it. And so the statistics are if there is a break and psychosis happens like that, that if they are completely sober, like never do it again and stop. Unlike Johnny, he went back to it that many times they say 50% of the time they can recover. You have always done some damage to your mind. If you're an adolescent using marijuana, there is no safe level of THC to any adolescent mind, zero, no safe level, but not everybody becomes psychotic. Depends how much you use what is the frequency? What is the potency? And at what age did you start? This is the trifecta of psychosis. It's extremely dangerous. A five-fold increase in psychotic episodes. And if you don't stop using marijuana, it can convert into permanent schizophrenia. And sadly, Johnny had to use an antipsychotic to stop the delusion, which helped. And he got better A second time, he had a second chance and he recovered and he was sober and he stopped using and had left the university. And it was months later um, in August, we tried our third university, Colorado Technical University, moved him into a condo of ours a mile away so we could keep our eye on him. And he went back to an old girlfriend who was using, started dabbing again had a major break. Um, We read in his journals three days before he died, he was writing about organized crime and the mob being after him. The psychosis had come roaring back. So John, you know, you can have a break and recover, have a break and recover. I know because Johnny did, but then sadly the psychosis came back when he started using it. harder and harder, doesn't it? Because things are- It causes damage. In fact, Oh, there's a great study that just came out of Denmark just a week ago that is so important for everybody to understand. Denmark can track its entire population. They're so, you know, it's a small country and they have all their public registry. So they went back to the registry before marijuana was in Denmark. I think it was 2006. I can't remember. Anyway, the population of 7 million people in Denmark had a schizophrenia incidence of 2%. And then they tracked it today after marijuana, it's 8% today. And they removed the people who had depression, who had a genetic predisposition, meaning a parent who had uh, schizophrenia and who had any comorbidities or factors like they're already using other drugs. So anyway, they removed those people and still in the population used to be 2%. Now 8% of the population have schizophrenia in Denmark, statistically impossible. And they have concluded that cannabis caused schizophrenia incidence rates to rise in Denmark. This is not an isolated study. I mean, well, there yeah, are and this so is many. A, this is a message that I, you know, it's, you know, until I heard your story, Laura, 
it's a message I always suspected. I'd never done the research. And then you're just confirming, especially as a parent, right? I have a 24, 21, 17 year old, you know, my own personal story, you know, my, uh, I have an uncle who committed suicide, who started out smoking pot after the Vietnam war. And then between pot, he never did anything else other than pot and marijuana, but it downward spiral. My brother, he a lot like your son, but you know what happened to him? I, I remember talking to him. I had my son share this story with my boys. I mean, my brother shared the story with my boys. He was one of the top athletes. I grew up in Minnesota. He was on every varsity team as a freshman and was I a 4.0 student. all the time. Yep. He was really? at a house party and, and he smoked pot. That was it. And it, this was back when it was three, four, five percent. Yeah. He Some people are anymore. instantly he gave hooked. everything up and yeah. through constant drug use over 20 years, he induced in himself mild schizophrenia and manic depressive. He's been on medication his whole life. He's never had a good life. Everything's been harder. Everything's locked back to when I deal with him as an adult. It feels like I'm dealing with one of my kids. The way he thinks to me almost feels like how he sees the world and processes things are stuck. So that's because the brain is arrested. The development stops when the cannabis use begins because it clogs the receptors and the anandamide and the 2AG can no longer bind and your natural development stops. It's called hypofrontality. And so you lose some of your cognitive function depending at the age that you begin the use of marijuana. So that's not surprising. And so the parents has- listening now, Laura, what advice do you have for folks that are probably, okay, I have kids that are definitely, I either I know they're using or they're in that environment. I'm not sure right now, but. You've got to talk to them, <laughs> you know, accidentally have a copy of the dangerous truth about today's marijuana on the coffee table and um, tell them Johnny's story. You know, that's exactly what we're doing with Johnny's ambassadors. We started a 501c3 just for the sole purpose of educating parents and teens about the dangers. What is the potency? What is today's marijuana? How does it cause mental illness? If, you know, all of a sudden your kid is depressed, look for the source. It's not that marijuana helps depression. Marijuana causes depression. It makes it a ton worse. And that that's not something that parents always have on their radar. So we need to get educated ourselves We need to talk about it. We need our kids, our young adults to understand under no circumstances do we condone a marijuana belief it's safe in any way or allow it. It has to be a zero tolerance policy. And, you know, looking back, I would have drug tested Johnny. I would have given him the very best excuse that he could have ever had at a party, which is sorry, I can't use it. My mom drug tests me. Right. We need to teach them to set boundaries, to suggest alternatives, to leave if they need to, but we've got to institute the discipline to make sure that they don't use it. It is our job as parents to make sure. And once Johnny turned 18, we completely lost control. He withdrew all his consents from the doctors so we could no longer help him. So looking back, I would have sent him to to residential treatment. Yeah. And what John shared with me to this day, you still can't find out who the doctor was. No, it's protected information. Who is the guy who's just writing scripts to these kids for a hundred, 200 bucks a pop? 
Oh, they know, but they won't tell you. Oh, try three to 500 bucks a pop. They know who it is at the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. They just won't tell right, you. But they're not letting that cat out of the bag because. Oh, no, because they, you know, these they've got to protect their criminal pot shop docs because they're in their back pocket getting all their tax money. They're in bed with them. They're not worried about protecting our children. They don't even have any education in the schools about this. That's why we created our own Johnny's Ambassadors Online, thanks to donations from our contributors, $35,000 later, we have our own online teen marijuana training that we will be working really hard to get out to thousands of teens all over to educate them about the harms. So I would start with yourself. I would humbly suggest my book. <laughs> um, no, I, I would boldly suggest your books. Folks, <laughs> this is a huge problem. I'm telling you, I, we got fortunate. My son got into drugs and had us failed out of the school of mines. And uh, we were very fortunate, but it took him two years to get his life back on track. He did a nine month mission trip with YWAM overseas. My listeners are very familiar with that whole period. We shared all about it, but you know what? There was a time where there was a tipping point. And for him, it was getting out of the country and being around a group of, you know, YWAMers, there's no drugs on the base. That's what he needed. It was like his version of treatment. Yeah, and he's that's back wonderful. And, oh, he is thriving today. He won't touch the. I was just talking to him about a dinner the other night. No, like, they know better. He won't touch it. And my other son who just graduated high school, I'm very blessed that he's tried it a few times, but he didn't like it. He even told me he tried dabbing once. It scared the wadden out of me. And then I probably had a really bad experience. And the problem is some people have intoxication. I mean, they overdose, so to speak, because it's so potent, but because it's not in your brainstem, it can't kill you, but you can still overdose and people have extreme reactions. He was fortunate in the fact that he said he literally had the spins and the dry heaves for like six hours. He said it was the worst night of his life, which is why he never did it again. So I'm kind of, maybe that. That's good that God did it that way. But folks listening, listen, I really wanted Laura to tell her story about Johnny and about this issue. Uh, Laura's an amazing woman, a Christian, and we could even come back and talk more. We should do some segments on this, even talk about your faith journey through all this. I was able to talk to your husband about it a little bit. It's been some serious highs and lows, no yeah. doubt about it. Sure. Um, I can't imagine. I mean, my sympathy, I've been praying for you since I heard about this. But folks listening, listen, order the book. Order the book to hand out to your friends in your mother's group, your men's group. If you're a church, you're an organization, you're an educational conference, you're a, anybody that works with parents who works with youth, even a business conference, and you got a whole bunch of the middle-aged folks like me that are in their 40s and 50s who have kids, I bet there's a lot of people that, you know what, they would say, you know what, I'd love to do a segment on that. So Laura is amazing. Reach out to her, Laura, at johnnysambassadors.org. That's where you can get all the information on how to connect to Laura, have her speak in person, virtually, look at the programs, the resources, the research that they're putting together. I know what would just you know, you look back on it in hindsight and go, okay, you know, 10 years from now, you hear the stories from hundreds of families that say, Laura, because of what happened to Johnny, my son or my daughter's alive. And that's what Laura wants to hear. 
Yes. And, and guys, let's, let's folks, let's make that happen. Three days before he died, he came to John and I for dinner and said, I just want you to know that you were right. You told me that marijuana would hurt my brain and it has ruined my mind and my life. And I'm sorry. And I love you. And, and then he was gone three days later and, you know, it's still hard. It's really, really hard. I miss him every day. It's been a year and a half, but you know, we are just determined to share his warning with everyone and tell the truth about what happened to him and not hide and not be quiet and not be silenced or shamed. You know, we weren't perfect parents, but we did our best and I can't control another person ultimately, you know, and we've got to talk to them before it's too late. And we, anything we can do to keep kids from following his path, that's going to be the mission. I agree. You know, as we wrap up, Laura, would you mind saying a prayer for our youth and for our parents of the kids in today's world as we close out? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you for touching the hearts of anyone who is listening to this that may have a young person in their lives. Lord, help them to hear the message, be receptive to understanding some of the harms of today's marijuana and be determined to reach out to their children, no matter how uncomfortable it may seem, and ask them some very hard questions about their use. Lord, please get through to the hearts of some of these children as their parents warn them and tell them Johnny's story and help his story reach into their hearts and make an impact on them so they stop and they don't follow Johnny's path. And Lord, thank you for the gifts that you have given me. (laughs) And please help this mission be successful and please save our children and keep this from happening to them. We rejoice always in your name and in your name we pray amen amen wow thank you laura thanks for having me anybody that wants to reach out if your son or daughter is having a problem i can help what a beautiful gift and you are and uh, your family and thank you for coming on and talking about a, a hard subject and i love your courage in doing so and we're here to support you. And if there's anything me or the community can do, I just want to encourage everybody again, reach out to Laura. This is something we need to address. It's like this insidious because the perception is it's just pot. And it's going to get worse. You and know, we, the bill is going to get worse. We're going to lose a generation. I'm afraid. Oh, more I than would. that. Look at how long it took tobacco, 60 years. It'll take a hundred years. We're going to lose a lot of kids to psychosis and suicide. Yeah. And it's already ramping up. So thank you, Laura. God bless you, my friend. We will continue to pray for you. And um, you're awesome. All right. Have a great night. Thanks, John.